from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Of course, we're here inside of the home team pub with everybody that is here today. Officially opened today, Monday, November 19th, the weekend, the week of Thanksgiving. And I had the opportunity of sneaking in here and doing a, a little VIP thing and getting to try some food and have some fun. So I want to thank Joe Khalil. I want to thank the entire team for letting us come in here and, and try it out, get a feel for it, watch the games, watch the Syracuse game against Notre Dame this weekend, as well as watch the NFL that was uh, coming up here. So being inside the home team pub, happy to be here, proud to be here. It's the first of many wake-up call broadcasts that are going to be here at the home team pub, and we appreciate you tuning in. appreciate you being a part of it. Appreciate everybody coming out. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. We're going to be taking some pictures, shooting some video while we're in here. They have the, I think my favorite thing is the, the orange and blue lights that we can see right underneath the bar. It's pretty awesome, pretty cool. TV's everywhere. The food is awesome. And the fried dough, if you haven't had dessert, the fried dough is the thing to get while you're here. That would be my big time suggestion for you is get yourself some of that fried dough. But it's an awesome experience, awesome place. Definitely having a lot of fun being here for the grand opening of the home team pub. It's going to be the home of so many different things when it comes to Liverpool High School as well as Beeville and the surrounding areas. This is going to be a home for high school teams. It's going to be a home, obviously, to watch Syracuse women men's basketball, men's basketball, football, so on and so forth. If, uh, you know, LeMoyne, OCC, and, and all the places that are here in our central New York and upstate New York community, this is going to be a place to call home, hence why it's called the Home Team Pub. And Joey Khalil did a tremendous job to get this open, get it here for us in 2018 before the new year, and I'm very excited to be here. So on today's show, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, talk about Syracuse. We'll get into Syracuse and Notre Dame. Joe was caught in the middle of those two things as he grew up a Notre Dame fan, but is also a Syracuse fan. So talk about Syracuse and Notre Dame, we'll also get into to the NFL and some other things that are going on here in our community. Uh, Syracuse basketball will be back at home this week. So very excited about the opportunity to go out and see the Orange inside of the Carrier Dome right before Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving. They'll be inside the Carrier Dome on Wednesday, November 21st. So if you have not gotten your tickets to come out and see the team, you got to do so. They had a tough road and Madison Square Garden dropped two in a row. First to UConn, the second to Oregon, which has Syracuse outside of the top 25. They started right around the top 15 and they bounced out from there due to these last two games so they're looking to get back on the right side of things as there are six teams in the ACC that are currently ranked in the top 25 for men's basketball one of them being the Duke Blue Devils which nobody here in the beautiful central and upstate New York area are fans of the Syracuse Orange trying to get on the right side of things they'll be home for a while but they will have a big 
Big Ten Challenge that will take them away from home for one of their games this season. They'll be going on the road to Ohio State before they come back in here. And we still have yet to see Buddy Bayheim and Jimmy Bayheim face off against each other. For the first time ever, Jim Bayheim's kids will be going up in a head-to-head matchup, and that game will be inside of the Carrier Dome coming up here before the new year, which will be exciting for the Bayheim family. It'll be strange for Jim in his 43rd season with the Syracuse Orange to be in a situation where both of his kids will be right there in front of him. He'll be coaching one, playing against the other, and it'll be something great for the Dome. I don't know who Julie Bayheim is going to cheer for. She'll probably have to cheer on everybody and wear red and orange that day. But that game is coming up. In just a little bit before that game happens, though, Syracuse's schedule as we carry on here, they are currently 2-2 two and two overall. They won their games early on in the season. Like I said, they dropped two in Madison Square Garden, defeated Eastern Washington and Moorhead State before that. They are home against Colgate this week on Wednesday, November 21st at 7 p.m. Then they'll be on the road at Ohio State for that ACC Big Ten Challenge I was talking about. And then they'll be home to face Cornell on December 1st. And that is going to be the Jimmy Bayheim versus Buddy Bayheim game where the two brothers will face off in college for the first time. And they did it a lot. Buddy told me that that every chance that they got at home in the driveway, their dad was the official, and they went up against each other. But this will be when it counts on the courts. They'll be going up against one another. Then we'll have Northeastern. Then the big-time game, Georgetown, will come into town on December 8th before Old Dominion comes in. The number 22-ranked Buffalo Bulls will be in town. Arkansas State will be coming in as well. St. Bonaventure, and that will end out the year. So Syracuse is going to be home for everything except for the Ohio State game coming up. Plenty of home games to see. And then the first game of the ACC for Syracuse will be at Notre Dame at South Bend on January 5th. So Syracuse has some work to do. This team is trying to find their place and gel together, trying to find that system that works, but what Syracuse has this year that they haven't had in the past is depth. They have the opportunity to switch, to find something that's working. If they have an issue with Pascal Chuku, they can move to Barama. If Barama's not working, they can go a little bit smaller. They can bring in Robert Braswell. They can work with O'Shea Brissett. Jalen Carey's done some good things. So this team has a lot of depth, a lot of young faces. Four new faces on the team with Elijah Hughes who has three seasons left after transferring from Eastern Carolina. From there. They also have Buddy Bayheim, true freshman, true freshman Jalen Carey, and Robert Braswell as they look to get things set and ready to go. And like I said, they're going to have a bunch of games at home to try and prepare themselves for this upcoming ACC gamut that is never going to be easy. So, Syracuse fans, you got your game right before Thanksgiving on Wednesday, November 21st. Make sure you go out and see the Orange face up against Colgate and a big ups to them for everything that they're doing. On the other side of it, we look at the football side of things. Syracuse is 8-3. and three. They've been 4-8 and eight the last three seasons. 4-8 and eight in Scott Schaefer's final season. 4-8 and eight under Dino Babers in year one and year two. They were the exact same 2-2 two and two in non-conference play, 2-6 and six inside the ACC. That has all changed this season as the team is 8-3, and three, and Syracuse is second only to the Clemson Tigers inside of the Atlantic Division of the ACC. So, totally different Syracuse 
seen that we're seeing this year. I know a lot of you that had come out in support of the kind of soft opening of the home team pub got to see the game on all of the televisions here on Saturday when the game was being played at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. Syracuse went up against Notre Dame and... The Big Bad Wolf kind of blew the house down on that one. Syracuse taking an L after starting the second half of their season 4-0, and 8-3 overall, like I said, and 5-2 and in the conference. They will have a winning record in the ACC for the first time for them in the ACC, and they will also have a winning record for the first time under Dino Babers. He has won as many games as he has lost in each of the last two seasons, and the team has a chance to be 9-3 and as they step into their game at Boston College. Boston College ranked in the top 20, despite the fact that Boston College just lost to a very, very not characteristic of themselves Florida State Seminoles team. So Florida State Seminoles got the best of Boston College. BC will be at home hosting Syracuse in this rivalry game, big-time rivalry game of two Northeast teams. Steve Adazio, the head coach of the Boston College Eagles, used to be the assistant to Paul Pascaloni here at Syracuse. So the reality of it all is this game is going to be good. It's going to be hard-fought. It's going to be tough. It will challenge Syracuse. But I give a lot of props to Syracuse for what they did most recently. Boston College has A.J. Dillon, who was regarded, I voted for him, and the majority of the ACC media voted for him to get preseason player of the year in the ACC of all positions at running back for Boston College because of his ability and because Boston College is such a running team, and he definitely brings that back to them and it gives them something special. He's been hurt recently, but they'll look to hopefully potentially have him back in this game, and if they can get him back in this game, it's going to challenge Syracuse's run defense. But to Syracuse's credits, Syracuse took a Notre Dame team that had been given 365 rushing yards a week before against Florida State. 365 yards they were able to gain on the Seminoles. Syracuse only allowed them 171. So Syracuse allowing 200 less yards on the ground pretty much to that Florida to the uh, Boston College team and running the or pardon me the uh, to the Notre Dame team and running the ball. Notre Dame getting 365 against Florida State in the next week, only getting 171 when they faced off against Syracuse. So Syracuse's run defense has gotten better. They have improved after giving up a lot, too. They gave up almost 300 yards on the ground to Clemson in a loss, almost 300 to Pittsburgh in a loss, and they gave up a bunch to North Carolina in double overtime. This Syracuse team going up against Notre Dame, who is known for running the ball, only gave up 171 yards comparative to Florida State's 365 that were given up. So once again, Boston College is going to run the ball. They're going to try and do it with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon was questionable to play in the game against Florida State. He ended up playing 37 carries, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. And the team overall had 125 yards on the ground. All of it came from A.J. Dillon outside of nine yards. And Travis Levi had six, Michael Walker had three, and Jeff Smith had a mere two in the game. Anthony Brown had five carries for no yards. So we know that it runs through A.J. Dillon, which is good news for Syracuse. 
Syracuse in this upcoming game against Boston College because of the fact that Syracuse struggles against teams that have three-headed and two-headed running backs. In the case of Clemson, they have three with Tavian Feaster as well as Adam Choice and Travis Etienne. Pittsburgh has two to three, and North Carolina has Michael Carter and company. Technically, they have three as well. So with Boston College, it's shut down A.J. Dillon, or at least try to contain A.J. Dillon to get something going, and Syracuse can feel good about coming off of that Notre Dame game and not allowing Notre Dame to run all over them, despite the fact that they lost the game 36-2-3. So the silver lining is the run defense has gotten better. The pass defense has been good, and Syracuse is looking to improve on this and end the season regular season 9-3. and three. The thing that I like about Syracuse, and I said on the show this morning, because Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora airs live on wakeupcalldt.com and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can catch it on there. So that is our typical time, two hours in the morning, Monday through Friday. But we're here for a special broadcast inside of Home Team Pub, courtesy of Joe Khalil and the entire team here. I want to thank them for having us at their grand opening. And what I said this morning about Syracuse is the fact that it's not the same feel as it was last season or the last few seasons or even the last decade where if Syracuse has a tough game against a tough team and they end up getting blown out like they did against Notre Dame 36-3, the notion with Syracuse was that people would say, well, that's just typical Syracuse. Well, that's just how they play now. They get blown out. They can't stay at that level of competition. This time around, the fan base has not responded that way. Fan base said, you know what? It's one game. Yeah, they lost to Notre Dame. Yeah, we thought it would be close. Yeah, we thought we had a chance. But ultimately, this Syracuse team has turned the tide. They put fans back in the seats of the Carrier Dome. They brought 42,797 people to the last home game against the Louisville Cardinals which was the biggest crowd that Dino Babers has seen inside of the Carrier Dome in his three seasons of being here. So you showed up, you showed up in a great way, and Coach got emotional about that after that game. And I know why, because he has tried so diligently to make this team better, to make this city believe again, and to create that hope and that desire that it can happen and that this team can be something special. So I give all the credit in the world to what Dino Babers is working to do with this Syracuse Orange team to turn the tide and make them the team that if they have a bad game, it's just a bad game. It's not a bad season. It's not their typical M.O. It's just a bad game. And in 11 games this season, Syracuse has only lost one the way they did against Notre Dame. They pushed Clemson to the brink. At the end of that game, they had a chance in Death Valley. Nobody's won in Death Valley since the end of 2016. And Syracuse lost that game just by a few points. And then in the case of Pittsburgh going into overtime, Syracuse had every chance in the world to win that game as well. So, And they won every other one. So in the position that they are in against Notre Dame, that game sticks out, but not like a sore thumb because Syracuse has played so much better this season. And you got to give the team a lot of credit for what they've been able to do. They have found ways to work it with Eric Dungy as well as Tommy DeVito. Eric Dungy getting injured, and unfortunately it's happened to Eric Dungy every season. He's not been able to play a full season, and that has been 
one of the tough parts of watching him is that you love Eric Dungy, you respect Eric Dungy, you appreciate Eric Dungy, but having Eric Dungy healthy is something that we typically never see happen. We don't see it toward the end of the season for sure. So wish my best to Eric Dungy and hope that things get better and obviously that he can heal himself up. But Tommy DeVito is a serviceable backup. A lot of guys, a lot of teams inside of college football, 130 teams in Division One A FBS, don't have the luxury of being able to go to their backup and find a guy who can come out and take a shot at the end zone right away. Somebody who's got an arm, somebody who lives fearlessly, and someone who will – throw his wide receivers open. So he had a bad game. Tommy DeVito did not have a good game by any stretch of the imagination. But once again, remember, he is a freshman. This is his first season. He sat out last season as a redshirt. So this is his first opportunity to get out there and see what he can do. And with that being said, he's going to have growing pains. But he's already shown that he can win games. And showing that he can win those games builds a bright future for Syracuse. Hopefully a healthy future with Tommy DeVito for the next three years. And there's obviously guys like Chance, Amy, and whatnot that have backed him up in recruiting if and when anything were to happen and if he needed any help whatsoever. So Tommy DeVito is the future, and he could be what Syracuse needs right now. But it's just good to know that this is a guy who can handle the pressure. I spoke with his father before the NC State game. He came to the pregame show, and his name's Tom DeVito, Tom Sr. And the opportunity to speak with him about his son and about this team and about the fight and about the desire makes you feel good about the future, makes you feel good about the support, makes you feel good about the family, and about the quarterback because he's a quarterback that was brought in from New Jersey. This isn't a Texas or an Oklahoma or a Florida or an Alabama quarterback. This is a quarterback straight from the Northeast, straight from Jersey, and New Jersey's got a lot of talent. Syracuse has found that talent at quarterback. They found that talent at, at defensive back. They've taken some opportunities to bring some guys in from the Northeast, and I love it. I think New Jersey's still somewhat of an untapped resource, so I'm happy with the fact that Syracuse is reaching out and building bridges to show that Northeast talent is pretty darn good with everybody focusing on Florida. Florida and Texas and Oklahoma and whatnot, California. It's nice to see the Northeast being given that opportunity. So Syracuse does take this L. They do come out of that Notre Dame game, but nothing to hang their heads about by any stretch of the imagination. They have one game to play. Like I said, they're eight and three. And being eight and three right now, Boston College is seven and four. This game has a direct effect on Syracuse and BC head to head. Whoever wins this game is going to be in a position to take second place inside of the ACC. If BC wins and they're 8-4 and four and Syracuse loses and is 8-4, and four, then that means that Boston College will finish second in the Atlantic. They'll get a big-time bowl game because Clemson's going to go to the college football playoff. If Syracuse wins, they go 9-3. and three. They send Boston College down to 7-5. and five. BC still goes to a bowl game. Syracuse gets a better bowl game. Syracuse gets a shot again the big time bowl. So a lot of implications on this. Being eight and three is great. Being nine and three is better. And Syracuse's hope for the future is resting on how they're going to respond to this and where they're going to go from here. So they're playing BC. AJ Dillon is out there. AJ Dillon is healthy. And AJ Dillon did what he could for Boston College, who ended up losing the game by a single point. 
to the Florida State Seminoles this past week. So BC is pissed. BC's in a situation right now where they want to come back. They want to end the season strong. They want to get to eight wins. They've gone to they've gone to four bowl games in five years under Steve Adazio. This will be five and six. They want to get to eight victories. The one against Syracuse that ends every regular season, either here or there, is a game that is serious and meaningful to both teams because of the rivalry, because of the Northeast football, because of the history between the two. So this game has a lot of implications on who's going to what bowl, has a lot of implications about where everybody's going to be sitting when all's said and done from here. So this game in Boston, Massachusetts, right after Thanksgiving, has a huge, huge effect on where Syracuse is heading, where BC is heading, despite the fact that they're both going to a bowl game. A lot of implications on who finishes second in the Atlantic and who finishes with a bowl game. It's going to be a little more prominent, a little bit better, and hopefully a little bit warmer because Syracuse fans deserve to go to Florida for a ball game. Florida, Alabama, Georgia. Texas, something like that, but there's so many bowl games in the great state of Florida that I would like to be down in Florida. You can go to Hawaii. I'll, I'll accept the Hawaii one. You can go to the Aloha Bowl, but there are 40 different games that will be played. So many teams that will be involved. Syracuse has already punched their ticket, but the more you win and the better you finish and the what have you done for me lately is what helps these bowls decide where Syracuse is going. Eight and four looks good. Nine and three looks a hell of a lot better. So, Syracuse in a position right now to do something tremendous and to send their fans to a bowl game to remember and a bowl game to appreciate and a bowl game to be proud of. So, I'm excited about what's to come and I'm excited about what will be following Syracuse as they set up for this. Mo Neal has done a tremendous job as well. He struggled a little bit in this game against Notre Dame like everybody else, but Mo has played with a fervor and a desire and a want to. I got to give him a lot of credit. The run of the starting running back for Syracuse, who's taken over the duties from Dante Strickland, and Jarvion Howard as a true freshman has done a tremendous job as well. So some great things that are happening with Syracuse in the backfield to build up the future. Mo Neal is going to have another season. Jarvion Howard's going to have three seasons after this, and that bodes well for a university that really needs to lean on the run and lean on those opportunities, being a university that was known for Joe Morris, Rob Drummond, Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, Floyd Little, Rob Conrad, and the list goes on, and the the late Walter Reyes, who has been on my show multiple times, and I miss him, and may he rest in peace. So, a lot of great running backs to come through. The signs of the future are good with the two guys that Syracuse will have in Neal and Howard. And then in the running, when we look at the wide receivers, there's so many receivers Syracuse has not had to lean on this year, like Sherrod Johnson. And, you know, you look at these guys that are redshirt freshmen or sophomores or true freshmen that Syracuse has waiting in the stables, a guy like Anthony Queeley and whatnot. And it just it tells you about what the future is going to look like for the Orange. Because Taj Harris on one side and Jamal Custis on the other have created some great opportunities for the Orange. Then you add in Nikeem Johnson's speed anywhere in the field and you add in Ravion Pierce this year as he finishes up his final season and what he's been to the team at tight end. Then you add in Gabe Haran, who's a local guy from right up the road at CW Baker 
Baker High School in Baldwinsville. You look at what he's been able to do under Carlos Sanfilippo when he was there, and then playing in his first game at Syracuse, playing his first game, which was in the Dome, and on his first catch, got his first touchdown, which has been tremendous, and they can still redshirt him this year, knowing that they're going to have him for the future. So, big big opportunities and awesome opportunities for the future of Syracuse. Devin C. Butler's a junior. Sean Riley's a junior. Russell Thompson Bishop is a redshirt freshman. Queeley is a freshman. Ed Hendricks, who is out the whole season, is a true freshman. He'll have four years. Sherrod Johnson's a redshirt freshman. Cooper Lutz is a redshirt freshman as well. Scott Harris, who's playing, is a true freshman. Cam Jordan's a redshirt freshman. Nikeem Johnson's a sophomore. And Kevin Johnson's son, to make everybody feel old, Kevin Johnson Jr. is a true freshman on the team right now as well. So the future looks bright for the Syracuse Orange, who haven't stopped recruiting by any stretch of the imagination, who have all of these wide re- – they're only going to lose two wide rec- or one wide receiver this year. They're only going to lose Jamal Custis, a redshirt senior. So remember that. Jamal Custis, number 17, will be gone, but everybody else making plays on the field for Syracuse right now, Harris, Nikeem Johnson, Sean Riley, they'll all be back next year. They'll all have an opportunity to make it happen once again, and Syracuse has a lot to be excited about because their running backs will be back, their wide receivers will be back, their quarterback and Tommy DeVito will be back, but we're not here to talk about the future as much as we are to talk about the present and the fact that Syracuse will be playing in that bowl game for the first time since 2013. They played in the Texas Bowl. Now, the good thing about Syracuse is that they played in the last three bowls that they've been in, they won them all. They won in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl when they faced off against Kansas State. They won in the Pinstripe Bowl shortly after when they faced West Virginia with Geno Smith as the quarterback there. And they won in the Texas Bowl with Scott Schaefer against Minnesota. So, in the last three bowls that Syracuse has been in, they're 3-0. and But it's been five years. It's been half a decade. It's time to get back. And they're not going to the Pinstripe Bowl. And they're not going to the Texas Bowl. This bowl game for Syracuse is going to be bigger better and hopefully we'll have a bunch of eyes on it and hopefully we'll have a bunch of fans at it as well as Syracuse prepares for that but in order to get there they're going to have to win that game and that game that task at hand is coming up right after this and uh, coming up against Boston College right after Thanksgiving so very excited for what's to come with the Orange very very shortly and I want to get into some NFL as well as this is Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora we brought Broadcast live Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can hear us on any device, your your iPad, your iPhone, your tablets, your iPod, your desktop, your laptop, your smartphone, anything with the Internet. We'll pick up Wake Up Call every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and on WakeUpCallDT.com. We are inside of Home Team Pub. We are celebrating the grand opening of the Home Team Pub here on Monday, November 19th. We want to thank Joe Khalil and the entire team for having us here. We want to thank everybody that helped to put this together, all the electrical work, laying down the floors, everything that has made this possible, the televisions, everything looks great. Christine, the orange underlighting, the blue underlighting, everything looks perfect here. And uh, the staff, the food is, is great. And I've gotten to try a bunch of the food. I've tried the cheesecake, I got the salt and pepper wings, and the fried dough. And the fried dough 
Let me tell you something. When you go and you order fried dough in Central New York, they don't give you like the pizza free, like the Villa Pizzeria, like they do at the, at the fair, which is the best. They don't give you that. They give you these thick balls of fried dough who are like doughy and not that good. Well, here at Home Team Pub, they don't give you that. Here at the Home Team Pub, they give you the long fried dough like you get at the state fair. That real quality fried dough that you just can't get enough of. And I actually have some at the house right now with chocolate sauce and caramel sauce because I came here and I got it a little bit earlier. So if you're getting dessert, get yourself some of the fried dough and enjoy yourself some of that. So, yes, we are on video here. We got Joe's, Joe's kids that are here with us right now we have you want to say hi leah that's jonah so the the owner's kids are here with us right now we have we have jonah and we have leah that are hanging out with us here at the home team pub so you guys having fun having a good time you gotta go cook you gotta go in the back and cook now no you don't all right okay well who's making the food then so what is what's your job? Standing here and looking see. Standing here and looking at me. See how I'm doing? No wait. That's your job? No wait. Wait, Fair look enough. around and see it's good. Look around and make sure everybody's happy and doing well. Fair enough. So we got the Khalil family in the house here right now at home at Team Pub for the grand opening on Monday, November nineteenth. And we're happy to have everybody here. We're excited for what this is gonna be, three PM until midnight for the opening of this and happy hour as well so make sure you come and check it out the home team pub located in liverpool new york right on oswego road so make sure you come in here on route 57 and hang out at the home team pub it is the spot the home for any team whoever you may be syracuse fan lemoyne fan occ oswego baldwinsville liverpool it doesn't matter who you're a fan of you're all welcome here at the Home Team Pub, so make sure that you come out and hang out at the Home Team Pub. Monday Night Football will be going on tonight, I know that much, and it's going to be a good game. could be a sign of the Super Bowl when Kansas City faces off against the L.A. Rams. The game was supposed to be played in Mexico City, but that's not going to happen due to the fact of the conditions of the field. So the game has been moved to L.A. The Rams get a home game back again. The L.A. teams are both playing very well. Typically, teams that move to L.A. struggle, but the L.A. Rams and the L.A. Chargers are both playoff teams if it was to start today. And the L.A. Rams are going to be playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs, and both the Chiefs and the Rams are at the top of their respective sides of the coin right now as they get set for their upcoming game and and what can happen from here and the implications of this. The Saints are also in the mix and the Saints are doing a tremendous job so I want to give a lot of respect to the New Orleans Saints and on the other side of it there's another team called the Patriots that not many of us want to see get anywhere. I understand that. I respect the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady and all that they've done but this is kind of Kansas City's year so the Patriots always come on late. They always make it happen late. They always find a way at the end of everything. But the hope is that we're going to see Kansas City get it done because it's time for a change, I think. I think it's fair to say that fans are ready for a change unless you happen to be a Patriots fan. Going into the last week, week 11 of the NFL, 
on Thursday night football, the Seahawks were able to best the Packers. The Packers are in a lot of trouble right now. Once again, we're at the home team pub on 7990 Oswego Road. Come by and see us right on Route 57 in Liverpool, New York. Come hang out. Today is the grand opening. So from here on out, the home team pub is your staple. The home team pub is the place you're going to walk to. The home team pub is the place you'll drive across city to. You'll drive across town to and make sure that you come in. So to everybody in our local community, thank you. And to everybody that will drive from the surrounding areas and all the visitors that we will get during Syracuse games and whatnot, we appreciate you all coming into town. Everybody that's coming in to see their family for Thanksgiving and Christmas, we look forward to having you at the home team pub as well. So Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora is what you're listening to, and we are hanging out here for about an hour inside of the grand opening. So the Green Bay Packers went up against the Seattle Seahawks, and the Seahawks best them in the game. To look back at the game, Chris Carson did some good things. Running back for the Seattle Seahawks was able to get it done. And Green Bay's rushing attack continues to struggle. Aaron Rodgers' team is 4-5-1 and one right now. And they're in a place where they may not be making the playoffs. And it's that feeling from last year with the Green Bay Packers, a team that had to go through injury and things just didn't seem to work out. And in this case, Seattle's only good at home for the reality of it all. The Green Bay Packers are 0-5 on the road. All five of their losses have come away from home. They're four and one inside of their familiar grounds. And the Dallas Cowboys found a way to be a very strange team this season and defeat the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 22 to 19, they win in the game. Dak Prescott did not have to throw a touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott had 122 yards on 23 carries. 5.3 yards a carry in the game. He was also the leading receiver for the Cowboys because if you know anything about the Cowboys this season, if it's not Ezekiel Elliott, it's pretty much not anybody. So shout out to Ezekiel Elliott for the work that he's put forward and what he's been able to do. And the Dallas Cowboys being 5-5, five and five, which puts them in a place in their division, which is kind of interesting because Alex Smith of the... Washington Redskins, and that is the team of our owner here, Mr. Joe Khalil. The Washington Redskins were in a position to win this division. They were in a position to kind of go away with the division because of all the problems that this team was having, or that the other teams were having, I should say. The Philadelphia Eagles have that Super Bowl hangover. I'll agree with that. They're four and six. The New York Giants are three and seven and have been terrible. The Dallas Cowboys, yes, I'm talking about it's on the TV here. The Dallas Cowboys are five and five, and the Washington Redskins are six and four, dealing with a starting quarterback who just broke his leg on the field in the most inopportune time. Not that there ever is a good time, but this is a bad time for the team, knowing that they were heading toward the playoffs and they were in week 11. So that means that the Washington Redskins are six and four and are going to have to find a way to win without Alex Smith, their former starting quarterback. And the Dallas Cowboys have somehow, some way crept up to be five and five. So the Skins and the Boys are neck and neck for the NFC East. And it can be anybody's game at this point, which is not what the Skins fans want to hear. Everything that the Cowboys fans want to hear as there is more life for the Cowboys who will be fighting up against the Redskins with the right to go to the playoffs winning their division. And I want to make a note of the Cowboys' victories. Now, they defeated the Giants. 
who have been a down team. They defeated the Lions, who have made no sense this year. They killed the Jaguars. And the Jaguars have been a team that has played well against the teams that are toughest to play against, but they've struggled against the other teams. So the, the, the Dallas Cowboys kind of outed the Jacksonville Jaguars, showed everybody their weaknesses, invested them in the game that they faced them where they won in Dallas 40-7. to And then after that, the Dallas Cowboys were able to move forward and win a couple more games here as they get set for an opportunity to take the division away from the Skins. Dallas Cowboys defeating the Eagles in Philadelphia and the Falcons in Atlanta. The next game up is the Skins, and this is the way that sports always works, and that's what I love about sports, is that the schedules are made before the game, obviously before the season happens, you make your schedule. Before the season happens and you know who's going to do what and how they're going to do and what's going to happen, the schedule is already set forth. So with the Skins at 6-4 and four, and the boys at 5-5, five and five, they're playing each other on Thanksgiving. And if they're both 6-5, and five, then the Cowboys can overtake it. And the Cowboys can put themselves in first place of the NFC East. So the most important game that the Skins and the boys will play in 12 weeks is happening this week on Thanksgiving Day that your family is going to be watching Regardless of whether or not you're a Cowboy or a Redskin fan, you watch football on Thanksgiving. So you watch the Lions at noon, you watch the boys after that, and then you watch the rotator game to follow. The Redskins-Cowboys game, massive implications on the playoffs this season, which I think is huge and I think it's awesome. And I'm happy because a lot of these games we've been seeing on Thanksgiving have been kind of poor. We've been watching a Lions team that's not going anywhere. We've been watching a Cowboys team that's kind of lost control. So the games have not meant as much. They haven't felt like there's a lot of implication to them. And now we're going to see exactly that when they face off. And the Lions still have some type of life. The Lions are still defeating teams that they're not supposed to. And the Cowboys have the opportunity to take first place in their division. Now, the Tennessee Titans, who continue to be an enigma, continue to be weird, continue to make absolutely positively no sense. They won their game, pardon me, lost their game, on the road in, Indian, in Indianapolis, 38-10 to 10 in that matchup, after defeating the Patriots by scoring 30-plus. They lose to the Colts by allowing 38 points. And there's not too much to say about this other than the fact that the Houston Texans will probably win the division of the AFC South because the Jacksonville Jaguars were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. The Jacksonville Jaguars were supposed to have the best defense in the country. That didn't happen. The Colts are up and down and around the corner, and the Tennessee Titans make absolutely no sense. They win what they're not supposed to. They lose against teams you're supposed to have a fight against, and ultimately they end up Eight and eight. So right now it's the Texans division to take. And the Texans are continuing to look at taking that division after defeating the Washington Redskins 23-21, which set up the Cowboys to be in a position to take the division right now. So it's funny how the other team in Texas is helping out the Dallas Cowboys on accident. And it'll be interesting to see what goes on from here. Tampa and the Giants went up against each other, and the New York Giants won the game 38-35 to in a shootout in New York. And when you look at this game, 
Saquon Barkley, the team is only 3-7 and seven when we look at the Giants, but Saquon Barkley, hands down the best thing that they've had on their team in a very, very, very long time. So that's one thing that Giants fans can be happy with is that they have Saquon Barkley. Eli Manning didn't throw a pick in the game. He only threw 18 passes. That's the thing that's crazy about this. Eli Manning only threw 18 passes in the game. 17 of 18, 231 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Saquon Barkley carried the ball 27 out of the 31 times that the Giants put the ball on the ground for 142 yards, two touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. On the other side of it, the Giants allowed Peyton Barber to have the best game of his life, pretty much. 18 carries for 106 yards, 5.9 yards a carry, one touchdown. Peyton Barber has not looked that good against anybody, but the Giants helped it to be so. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was supposed to be the starter of this game, be the guy for this game. He comes out, he throws no touchdowns to three interceptions, and ultimately gets taken out for Jameis Winston, who leads the charge with two touchdowns, one pick, and gives the Buccaneers a chance at the end of the game with Tampa Bay scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter. But that 21 points was just not enough to get them over the hump and to get them in a victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Giants, they're fighting for who, what pick they're going to have, essentially. But as it stands right now, overall, the team is 3-7. and seven. Outside of that, the Steelers defeated the Jaguars in a game that made absolutely no sense. The Jacksonville Jaguars were leading the game 16-6. And in the last few minutes of the game, and we have... We have Jonah, the son of the owner, who's who's peeking in right now. So we have, we have Jonah hanging out with us. So uh, Jonah's a Redskins fan, right? Dolphins. Oh, Dolphins fan. Pardon me. So you're not a fan of your father's team? Kind of. Kind of. All right. Fair enough. I know Leah's a Redskins fan. So, yeah, she is. The daughter of the owner is a Redskins fan. The, the son is a Dolphins fan. So I get it. You like the Redskins a little bit. You're somewhat of a fan of the Skins. But we are here inside of the home team pub for the grand opening here on 7990 Oswego Road, Route 57 is the way that you get here in Liverpool, New York. And that Steelers-Jaguars game made absolutely no sense. The Jaguars were not supposed to be in it the way that they've been playing recently. They somehow played well against a team that they weren't supposed to play well against. And it was 16-6 to with a couple minutes ago. They allow a couple touchdowns, and the Steelers take the game in a situation where Ben Roethlisberger threw five interceptions, two were called off, and ultimately he ran the ball in at the end of the game. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson, I said eventually this season that they would go to Lamar Jackson. They did exactly that in this game. I think John Harbaugh's found his last moments in Baltimore, and I think that Joe Flacco may have found his last moments in Baltimore as well. Lamar Jackson was 13 of 19 when everybody critiques his ability to complete passes. He was 13 of 19, had no touchdowns, but had an interception. And then running the ball, Lamar Jackson... 117 carries or 117 yards and 27 carries 4.3 yards carry to lead the team Gus Edwards who came from Miami had 17 carries for 115 yards 6.8 yards carry and a touchdown so Baltimore is changing the guard we can see it on the field I think John Harbaugh like I said and Joe Flacco will be gone after this season Lamar Jackson being the leading rusher on the team opened the door for Gus Edwards Alex Collins has been the guy and he had a touchdown to 
the game, but he only carried the ball seven times for 18 yards, where Gus Edwards, who was a pickup that a lot of people forgot about, got over 100, and so did Lamar Jackson. This offense, at least against Cincinnati, who's not a bad team this year or any year, really, under Marvin Lewis, they're always that middle of the road, a little bit above average or a little bit at average or below average at some point in the season. We're looking at a Baltimore team with Lamar Jackson, who got a victory in Lamar's first start and open up the door for what Lamar can be running the ball and passing the ball as well as what Gus Edwards can be on the team as well. So I like this changing of the guard and I like the situation that the Ravens are in. The Raiders and the Broncos both made me wrong on the last play of the game with three seconds to go in one game and two seconds to go in the other. The Broncos defeated the Chargers 23-22 to and the Raiders defeated the Cardinals 23-21 to both of them making me wrong in the last three seconds of the game. So thanks, Raiders, and thanks, Broncos, for screwing that up for me. They were able to complete a big-time pass and get down the field in order to get their final scoring play. And then outside of that, the Saints are being the Saints. The Saints are 9-1. and one. They're on a nine-game winning streak. The Saints have not lost since they gave up a shootout to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers first game of the season in the Superdome. 48 to 40. So, big shout out to the New Orleans Saints who are contending to get into the Super Bowl on a nine game winning streak. Nine and one on the season. And the New Orleans Saints left on their schedule a home, at home against the Falcons, at the Cowboys, at the Bucks, at the Panthers in a row. Then the Steelers at home and the Panthers at home to round out the season. So, plenty of games left on the docket, including two of their last three against the Carolina Panthers. And this New Orleans Saints team is vying for a Super Bowl when Drew Brees will be 40 years of age. And I hope that they make it. I really do. The Rams and the Saints would be a tremendous Super Bowl, but it's not going to happen because they're both in the NFC. Somebody's got to beat the other one. So the Rams are in a position right now to get there. The Saints are in a position to get there. The Saints handed the Rams their first loss of the season. They were the only undefeated team out of 32 franchises in the NFL. So I give him a lot of credit for doing that, obviously. And it was around that time period, a little bit before that time period, that I said that the Saints had a good opportunity of going back to the Super Bowl with Drew Brees. The last time they did it, they defeated the Colts and Peyton Manning. So, that being said, the Saints win handily 48-7 to against the Philadelphia Eagles. And... I don't know who I, I want to see the Saints more than the Rams. I don't think that we lose on either side of it, but it would be great to see Drew Brees, who has his highest completion percentage ever as a pro at 39 years old and is doing tremendous things. I think he has, we looked at Drew Brees' numbers really quick here. Drew Brees on the season. Has, and obviously it's helped out by having Mark Ingram in the backfield and Alvin Kamara in the backfield. But he's throwing to all different types of receivers. Traquan Smith out of Central Florida is a rookie. Michael Thomas is your number one. But they brought in Des Bryant. He tore his ACL before he could play a game. Cam Meredith didn't really pan out from Chicago, and he got hurt. So the reality of it all is he's throwing to whoever he can, however he can, and it's working out, and that's why he's a great quarterback. Drew Brees' numbers this season are 25 touchdowns to one interception. 25 touchdowns to one interception. Completing 
his passes at a tremendous rate, 76.2% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns to one interception. Drew Brees, best quarterback in the NFL right now by the numbers, best quarterback in the NFL. And I like him better than Tom Brady because Drew Brees can air it out and make it happen. Tom Brady, dink and dunk, finding like the Chris Hogan's Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. Listen, he's been successful. I don't take any of that away from him. But if I was going to put a quarterback on my team right now, Drew Brees would be at the top of my list. The Bears and the Vikings faced off at Sunday night, and the Bears got the best of them. The Bears are 7-3, and three, and if it ended today, the Bears would take the division. The Vikings are 5-4-1 and one behind the Bears, and the Packers are 4-5-1, and one, and the Lions are all over the place. So with that being said, the Chicago Bears, who did not have a defense since Brian Erlacher and Julius Peppers, brought in Khalil Mack by giving up two first-round picks. Big deal, big whoop. As soon as he gets in there, the defense becomes scary again. Soldier Field becomes a danger zone again, and the Chicago Bears become relevant again. So thank you to John Gruden for letting Chicago take Khalil Mack off of his hands because apparently he didn't want him. So we're setting up to have a very interesting scenario here in the NFL. And to take kind of an overall look at it really quick here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, live from the grand opening of Home Team Pub, to take a look at the grand scheme of things, I'll let you know that if the playoffs, I want to look at the playoff standings right now. If the playoffs were to happen today, in this moment, in the AFC, the American Football Conference, Kansas City would be one, Pittsburgh two, New England three, Houston four, then the Chargers, then the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Right behind them is Cincinnati, Miami, and believe it or not, Indianapolis is only three spots out. In the National Football Conference, the NFC, the Saints are at the top. Same record as the Rams at nine and one, but they beat the Rams, so they had the tiebreaker. The Saints are one in the NFC, Rams two. Bears are three, Skins are four, Panthers are five, Vikings are six, then the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Cowboys win over the Redskins on Thanksgiving. That'll shift, and then all of a sudden the Skins will be on the outside looking in. The Packers somehow are not out of it at nine, but you would think that it doesn't look that great for the Green Bay Packers as we move forward. So, speaking on the NFL, speaking on Syracuse basketball and Syracuse football, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Coach Q and the Syracuse women's basketball team here really quick before we finish off the show inside of Home Team Pub. The women's basketball team is 3-1. and one. They defeated North Dakota Dakota at home and then went to Oregon, the number three team in the nation, and only lost by two points. Coach Q and the Syracuse Orange women's basketball team went on the road to Oregon, number three team in the nation, and lost by a mere two points, 75 to 73, in a massive, massive game and statement by the Syracuse Orange, losing to the number three team in the nation by two points. Then they defeated the number 20 team in the nation, 75 to 65, Texas A&M and White Plains, New York, in a neutral court game. And then they came back home into the Dome to win 70 to 56 up against Bucknell. 
the Cancun Challenge will send them to Cancun, Mexico for Coach Q and the team. They'll be in Cancun on Thanksgiving on November 22nd against Kansas State, then the next day against Princeton, and then the next day against DePaul. November 22nd through the 24th, they have three games in the Cancun Challenge before they go to Minnesota for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and then they'll have a three-game home stint in Syracuse at the Dome when the Syracuse women's basketball team and Coach Q face off against Towson, Maryland Eastern Shore, and Niagara. So big props and big ups to the Syracuse women's basketball team. The men's basketball team two and two, women's basketball three and two, three and one, pardon me. And the football team eight and three with a chance to be nine and three. They're already going bowling. And this game will decide just how pretty that bowl is, how late in December, early January that bowl is, and where they'll be sending me. Warm weather, please. I hope so. So with that being said, that wraps up this special edition of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on site, on location, at the home team pub, the home team pub, 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York. It is right around the corner of my stopping ground, so I'm happy about this. If there's a snowstorm, I can still find my way here, but you need to find your way over here on Route 57, 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York. Whether you're a fan of whatever team, it doesn't matter. Whoever you're watching, whenever you're watching, however you're watching, do it at the home team pub. The food is awesome. The salt and pepper wings and the fried dough, I can speak on myself, as well as the cheesecake. Everything's good stuff, and I appreciate the home team pub. I appreciate Joe Khalil and the family and everybody here for making it possible. The bartenders, the servers, the cooks, everybody that brought this together and everybody that put this wonderful place. It looks tremendous inside and on the outside. I love the logo. I love the look. And I'm very happy that the home team pub that's been an idea of Joe Khalil's for a very long time is now coming to fruition. Today is a reality and forever in the history of home team pub. I can say the wake up call was sitting here for the grand opening live broadcasting on day number one. So thank you to Joe and thank you to the whole team. We hope you enjoy the home team pub. Up, and I look forward to being here with many more broadcasts and many more great opportunities. Have great food with a great community of great people. Have yourself a great night. And thank you for watching, for listening, and for being here. Thank you for your support of the Home Team Pub. Keep it going.